Good morning and welcome. It's good to see everybody this morning as you're making your way in. I hope you got a bulletin and you'll be able to follow along in service. Celebrate today, uh, Easter, because of our risen Savior. And not only did He overcome death, but He is at the right hand of the Father and He is there as our mediator. And not only that, but this morning I pray that you'll understand and learn that the resurrection life that He lives is the same resurrection life we get and is also the same life we have now as we are regenerated and born again. And so we pray for that this morning as we go. Let me just announce that if you're visiting with us, we normally have Bible study and fellowship right after this uh, in Sunday school classes, but this month uh, we are not because we have a lot of activities. And so let me remind you to pay attention to the announcements. Next week we'll be celebrating uh, a fellowship dinner together and a chance to recognize and visit with the FIPS while they're still with us. Uh, There's some of our long-standing uh, original members that have been a part of the church since it began, and they'll be moving to uh, Ohio to be with some family Uh, in the weeks to come. So we want to celebrate that. And then the next week we'll have some time and then we have a fellowship for Nick and Kirsten and Abigail as they'll be uh, ending their journey here. They'll still be here. Someone asked me when they were actually leaving. We don't have all that details before you right now. We do know that as he ends here, he's still going to be around because he'll be doing training. He's probably shared that with many of you. He has some conferences and church planting that he'll be going to. And so they'll still be around, uh, but his official duties will end the last week of this month. So we'll have a fellowship uh, to just recognize him and their family and their service uh, for the church as well. So it's a busy month, so we'll pick back up in May. So those of you visiting with us, we invite you to be a part of our Bible study. Uh, it will pick back up in May, and we have several classes that you can choose from, you and your family as well. Uh, but we would appreciate if you're visiting, if you thought a welcome card, if you have the opportunity, if you're here with family and out of state, we realize that you're not going to be here and for us to follow up. But if you are from the area, we'd love to have a record of your visit. And if there's a way we can minister to you and your family, please fill out that card and we'll make contact with you and we'll see how it is that we can best minister to your family. But also on the back side of it is prayer requests. So those are important to us. Uh, we have a, a powerful, powerful prayer ministry team here in the church, believe it or not. Uh, I don't know if you get those, but my phone lights up all the time with prayer requests. And uh, folks, at first I wanted to think to myself, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But to tell you humbly, I began to realize, yeah, 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 yeah. That the more I prayed and the more that they were on the front of my mind and the more that I saw them come, they weren't so much just lighting up my phone. They were actually the work of God through the hearts of his people in a ministry that changes everything. And so it's very, very powerful and humbling. So I I pray that if you see it as the same way, okay, yeah, yeah, I got it. Please know one day it might be you that's putting your parent, your child, or one of your siblings there that everybody else is praying for. And so what a blessing that we have that to share in our church. So please fill that out as well. Um, But we're glad that you're here. We want you to worship with us. You'll see the songs there in the bulletin as we go along. Sometimes we use the hymn book. Uh, We have readings for you to be a part of. So if you can't see a bulletin, uh, please nudge your neighbor. If you don't know your neighbor, introduce yourself so you can take their bulletin. And uh, that way you'll have a chance uh, to share. We, We do that together and you'll have a chance to follow along in the service as well. But if I, if I can, let me invite you to stand as we read, as I read to you the call to worship, and then we'll begin hymn number 389, This is the Day the Lord Has Made. But let me call us to worship from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all you works of his in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Before we continue, let me lead us to the Lord. Uh, Join me at the throne of grace in just a moment in the Lord's prayer there in your hymn book if you need it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for all the work that you've done just in our church. Lord, just here locally, the the miracles we've watched you work in the hearts and the minds of your children. Lord, we pray for those that we have listed each week. Lord, not only for those that are sick or going through surgeries and recovery. Lord, we pray for the miraculous work. We pray that you would perform that surgery on the hearts of some of our husbands and wives and parents. Lord, as we've prayed for our children in so many ways, that you would work and perform that surgery that they need more than anything else, Lord, that you would just make yourself known to them, that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction. Lord, this morning we pray that as we celebrate new life, what resurrection life is, that maybe for the first time in some of our lives, 
we'll see those whose lives have been changed by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we surrender to you and realize that when we gather together, we've done nothing, no works of ours, nothing that we've dreamed together or put together that you could use. Lord, nothing that we have to offer could allow us in your presence without coming first through your son, Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, in which the curtain was torn and access was there, and we now have a mediator that we can come to and boldly pray together as we pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. If you'll join with me right there in your bulletin as we confess our faith together, and before we sing together, I know my Redeemer lives, let's ask the question if you'd respond together with me with the answer all together. What must we believe about the resurrection? We must first and foremost believe that at the last day, there's going to be a resurrection of all the dead, both the righteous and the wicked. When that happens, those who are still alive on earth will be instantly changed, and the very same bodies of the dead will be reunited with their souls and raised up by the power of Christ. Through the Spirit of Christ and by virtue of his resurrection, as their head, the bodies of the righteous will be raised in power, spiritual and imperishable, and made in the likeness of Christ's glorious body. Christ will raise up in dishonor the bodies of the wicked who offend him as judge. We do believe there is resurrection of both the living and the dead spiritually. And so we pray that your heart this morning will be changed and touched by the Holy Spirit as he prepares you for that day. Let's pray this prayer out loud together, which is for you in the bulletin. Our Father in heaven, we confess to you that we have not numbered our days. We have not remembered how fleeting our lives are before you, that you have made our days a mere handbreadth. We confess that we have not lived in the joyful confidence that after death you will take us to glory, nor have we truly considered that for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. We confess, Father, we have neglected to encourage one another with the words of our Redeemer's coming again, of the resurrection to life of the dead in Christ, of the saints' everlasting rest, and of the eternal city whose builder and maker is God. Pardon these our offenses, and by thy grace and spirit, Make our lives ever more faithful witnesses to the eternal life which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And turn with me to the next page for the assurance of pardon. The assurance of pardon is God's promise of forgiveness and redemption for those who recognize their spiritual poverty. We recognize we've sinned and we've confessed it together. So receive these words by faith from Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If you haven't had a very conquering week, be encouraged that Jesus conquered. He proved it this day, Resurrection Sunday. Actually, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. So be encouraged that he is our champion, that he is the source of our forgiveness and strength and everything that we need to glorify God. In a moment, we will receive our offering, so I'm going to ask those who will be helping to receive it to go ahead and come forward while I pray and as our choir will lead us. But let me pray. Thank you, Father, the giver of all good gifts, the gift of your Son who we receive by faith and have eternal life and hope.
through him. Help us, Lord, to give with cheerful hearts, with thankful hearts, knowing and trusting that you will provide for all of our needs. And the cry of your people is that the Great Commission and that your glory and your kingdom would spread more and more from here to everywhere. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, and what a blessing to have the choir up here singing along with us. We again encourage you, if you want to be a part when we do our specials, to be a part of the choir, please let us know. We'd love to have you come up and sing. Even if you can't be in all the songs, there are times we invite you to be a part. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. Uh, we all know the story, very familiar, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus. But I would like to share this morning, when we talk about the times of needing a new start, and what it would really like to title it is, is if, if we could, was not only that I would like to have a new start, but what you're really saying is I wish there was a way to have a whole new life. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we would say to ourselves, how is it that I could just start all over? If I could just redo this, take it back, start again, how is it that I could just have a whole new life? Now, part of me wants to tell you as a pastor, you don't really want that because your new life will probably face the same situations this life has faced. And that the same God who would control your new life is the same God who has controlled the life you have now. And that every event in your life, every circumstance that you have faced, every obstacle that you have overcome has all been part of God's plan to bring you right where he wants you to be. And to say, God, I wish you would have changed those things. I wish I would have never done those things. I wish I wouldn't have said those things. Sometimes be careful because what you don't want it to come out as is, God, I did some things that you couldn't really control, and I wish I could go back and change those. When in reality, everything that's happened in your life, who is controlled? And so when we think about, I wish I could just start again, I have a, a bit of advice for you this morning, and that is, there is. There is a way for you to, if you wish, start over or to have a new life. We call that the resurrection life. We call that the life in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I challenge you, whoever you are, wherever you are, and whatever friends you have, if you're still living the old life, if you're still living the physical, secular life, even though you're amongst church people doing it, you have not experienced what it is that Christ has for you. And this morning is the time for you to say, the Bible is real. Jesus is real. The resurrection is real. Though science has all these things to try to prove differently, this morning I ask you to turn to the historical stories that we have of Jesus Christ. Turn to the miraculous events that you've seen among those around you. And this morning, let me take you on a journey of what it really means to be different, to be changed, to have a new life. It begins in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He is a, a leader of the Pharisees, if you wish. He's one who knows the law. He knows how you're supposed to live, and yet he didn't quite understand. How many of you have ever taught the Bible to someone else? Anybody here? If that's all we have, no wonder we're behind, right? <laughs> if you have not taught the Bible. How many of you have taught the Bible to someone else even though you don't know everything the Bible says? Oh, now you're a lot more honest. You were afraid I was going to ask you a question, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. The truth of it is, we find Nicodemus coming to Jesus who is supposed to have all the answers and to have it all in place and to know how it all works out and to help lead others to what is the truth. And he himself comes to a point where he has to admit, wait a minute, I don't quite grasp what it is that's really happening. Is this the way it's really going to be? And here's what he says. He comes to Jesus. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus at night and said to him, probably in the discreetness, why others wouldn't see him, and says, Rabbi or teacher, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, put that word from God down in your mind and hold that. For no one can do the things or the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus responded and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, 
How can a person be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which has been born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it is coming from and where it is going. And so is everyone who has been born of the Spirit. Nicodemus responded and said to him, how can these things be? Now, y'all let you read the rest of the story as Jesus lectures. It's funny that he's wrestling with how it can be that one could be born of God when he comes to Jesus and simply says, I told you to underline it, that you have come from God. Isn't that amazing? That the leader of the law understands that one can come from God, but how can the rest of us be born of God? That's the question we all have. How is it that Jesus could be resurrected from the dead, but not understand how the rest of us will be? How is it that one can live the life that he's supposed to and the rest of us struggle with that? So this morning, I take you on a journey. We've been studying, for those of you visiting with us, the doctrines of salvation. We've gone from the the beginning of understanding what it really means to be called or what it means to be elected. And we've talked about the process of being converted. And this morning, I speak to you not only about the resurrection and the life we live, but under the theological category of what is known as regeneration under the understanding of what really happens when a life is changed. Have you, I could ask the same question as I have every week, have you been elected? Have you been chosen? Have you been changed? Have you been converted? Have you been called? This morning I ask you the question, have you been regenerated? Have you experienced what he told Nicodemus when he said, you must be born of water and the Spirit. This morning, as we journey through this, let me take you on a journey of regeneration, what it really means to have a resurrection life. I'll give it to you a little bit later when you understand resurrection. First of all, you have to be born once physically before you can ever be born spiritually. But you also have to understand that you have to have a resurrection spiritually before you'll ever have the resurrection physically. You see, they work together side by side. One has to come before the other. Just as you have to be born physical before you'll ever be born again spiritual, you must understand you must be resurrected spiritually before you'll ever be resurrected physically with Christ. To get those all mixed up means you don't understand regeneration or the creative power of what we talk about when it comes to new birth. When Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born Again, you can highlight that word, circle it, all as you know, many translations even tell you that is actually the word for above. I'll give it to you a little bit later. But it's amazing that Jesus said you must be born from above when Nicodemus understands Jesus came from heaven, but how can any of us ever get there? Maybe that's the question you have. I understand that Jesus has done that, but how does this apply to me? How is my life really important? I think I've told you before many a times as I taught through the college classes, I would always have a few moments the last day of school. And I would always give my students the one lecture they would never be tested on. And it was that lecture about the importance of believing what God has for the future. And as you know, we always say that what you do today determines your tomorrow. And I've told you this before. I would tell the students that's not true that what you do today determines the tomorrow. That is not true. Believe it or not, God has control of the future just like he does today. And you're not going to change what it is God has planned. But what is true is what you believe about tomorrow will determine how you behave today. Do you believe in resurrection? Do you believe in a day of judgment? And do you believe of a reckoning before the Father in heaven? If you believe that to be true, it will change how you live today. Now, if you don't believe that to be true and that it's just all going to work out in the end and we're all going to be together in some happy place where we're all supposed to be, then it doesn't change anything about your life today because it really doesn't matter. So you either have this belief that it does matter and your life is important or it's all not going to matter and therefore today doesn't really matter at all. 
and you find why we live in such a quarry today and confusion over being born again. So I'll use Billy Graham, Franklin Graham's terms now. Not have you been regenerated, but I ask you, have you been born again? That's what Nicodemus' question is all about. He's asking about the resurrection life. How is it that people can be made completely new? How is it that people can be so different? How is it that people can change? He begins to tell us that story that every one of us is born physically. Put it in your mind. It's the word bios. It's the word for life. Every one of us has physical life. But it's only those who've been born again that understand the Greek word zoe, or the word for spiritual life, or a life that is everlasting, a life that continues. You see, when God had a plan for you, as he told Jeremiah, it wasn't just for this world. It was also for the world to come. The life that you're living now is the preparation and preparatory work for the life that's to come. How will you spend the days you have now if you realize, therefore, the days that you will spend eternity with the Father? Just how are you being prepared? Is this the life of just wasteful living, non-caring, laid-back attitude, just a matter of time, this isn't the life that really matters? Or is this the life that you're glorifying God? You see, regeneration is this understanding of what takes place even before repentance and faith. We've talked about this before metanoia or pistos, those of you who've been studying with us, these words that mean so much in richness. Before we ever understand these things, we have to understand what takes place before that. That before a person can actually be converted and place their faith in Christ, something has to happen to them. A change has to take place. If you don't believe that's true, then why are you praying for people? If you believe that a person can change on their own, if you believe a person has it in their own works, in their own abilities to be able to make the changes they want, then why do you pray for them? If you're praying for someone, it's because you realize that until God's Holy Spirit works in their hearts, there will be no lasting change. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do is what was asked in Acts. Uh, here Nicodemus says it this way, how can I be born again? How can I enter back into my mother's womb and do this all over again? That's not the important question. Jesus tells him, you're marveling at the things that don't really matter. I'm not talking about the physical birth. I'm talking about the what? The spiritual birth. I'm talking about how your life must now change. You've been born physically. The most important time now is when you're born spiritually. Go back and read Ecclesiastes. Let the preacher preach to you when he tells people there's a time for everything. I've shared it many a times at funerals. There's a time to be born, and there's a time to what? Die. But what Nicodemus is told is that in between, there's a time to be born again. And that's what affects everything for eternity. It's not the time that you're born, and it's not the time that you die that determines what happens to your eternity. It's the time that you're born again in between those times that determines the rest of eternity for you. I ask again, have you been born again? Have you been regenerated? It's with the Spirit's power that Nicodemus comes to Jesus to find out what it is that's different. I know you're a teacher, and I know you're from God, because only you could do these things. Only you have the ability to change the person into what you want them to be. Nicodemus was a leader. He tells us that. He was a Pharisee. He was one who knew the law. He was one who laid down and helped establish it. He knew how people should live. You know what the problem was? He just couldn't get them to do it. I know what people should look like. If, if we were to put them in the modern day, it would go something like this. I know how the church people should act. And I know how the church people should live. And I know what their marriages should be like and how their children should be. The problem I have as a pastor is not what I expect of my church. It's getting my church people to do what I expect. God, how do you do that? And he reminds us in our prayer time, well, Jerry, the church wasn't built on you. And it's not your knowledge and instruction that's going to change their hearts. You can preach till you're blue in the face. 
But Jerry, your words are meaningless until my Holy Spirit regenerates their hearts and they're born again. And then you become the greatest preacher in the world. And so all of you are born again. It's amazing how he comes to us. What does it mean to be regenerated? Pastor, am I? Have I truly been changed? I mean, I do love the Lord. I think it's me. I mean, I want to serve him, and I think he's chosen me in my life. And I've thought about conversion before, and I've prayed the sinner's prayer. I've said the things that I thought I should say, but have I been changed? Am I living a resurrection life? Am I morally and spiritually living for Jesus Christ? Without regeneration, folks, it's impossible to serve Christ. Without a changed heart, it's impossible to please Him. But with a changed heart, it's impossible to not please Him. If you're here this morning and you find yourself burdened because you're not doing enough, You find yourself worried because you've done things you shouldn't. You've thought the things that you shouldn't have thought. You've said things you shouldn't have said. Folks, those are good signs. Because they come from the heart of one who has been changed. And you know the difference. 1 Corinthians reminds us that the unbeliever does not understand. They do not understand or comprehend those things, but only those of us who've been born again. It's this monergistic work we told you about. It's this work that only God by himself does in your life. It's not of your help. Folks, you cannot pray, Lord, come help me help you get this thing straightened out. That's not true. It's the work of God alone. I know when you live in a world, and I know conversion leads on. I know sanctification is part of your work. And I know as a Christian, you must work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You must follow Jesus Christ. You must have the desires to want to do what he wants. But folks, you can't do that without him. What's amazing about regeneration is that George Whitfield once put it in words when he said it in two phrases. He said, it's the Holy Spirit producing these new inclinations, these new desires, and establishing new habits in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you for the first time are saying, I want to go to church. I would like to be in a Christian relationship. I would like to be able to serve God more faithfully. He also said it wasn't just the work of the Holy Spirit, but it was the partaking of the divine nature, a renewed nature in the image of God, realizing that the purpose in life isn't to reflect your parents, but to reflect your Father in heaven. Let me ask you the question, put it this way. How many of you came to church today excited by the fact that your life reflects the Father in heaven. How many of you even thought about that? You see, all of a sudden we realize Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of the great evangelists, writers and sermons, you can gather them by the thousands today, said regeneration is the spiritual renovation from head to toe. You see, regeneration affects every part of your life. It starts from the way that you're thinking to the way that you're behaving. One time I remember when he wrote, I think it was D.L. Moody one time. I hate to put words in his mouth, but he'll never know. He's gone. But he said this one time. He said, every Bible ought to be bound in leather. True Bibles are only wrapped in leather and nothing else. And someone said, well, why is that? What kind of leather should it be? And he responded by saying, shoe leather that until the Bible is actually so involved in your life that it changes how you behave, it hasn't truly been treated as a Bible. It must affect every part of your life. Has the Scriptures done that for you? Do you celebrate Easter because the life that Jesus is living at the right hand of the Father is the life that you're living here on earth? Believe it or not that you don't have to wait to be in heaven to be pleasing the Father. We don't wait until the day he comes back for him to reign from on high. Christ is reigning today. He's putting all things under his feet. He's alive within your heart. You've been made a king of kings here on earth. You're no longer a pauper. Your father is the father in heaven. He owns the thousand uh, or the head on a thousand hills, the cattle on all of those. 
He does every war and rumors of war. He feeds every bird. He clothes every person. Folks, we're living in a world in which we were to be reigning and leading. What does it mean to be regenerated? Well, God's word makes it clear why. Nicodemus comes to him and he's, he knows something's wrong. He comes at night and he says, what must I do is what the leader in Acts said. Nicodemus phrases it, how can I be born again? In other words, well, can I have this? I know you're from heaven. Only you can do these things. Now, can I have this? Can I have that peace? Can I do the things you do? Can I be as close to the Father as you are? Can I have a personal relationship like you do? Those are the way that Nicodemus was asking it. The Bible makes it clear. John chapter 3 and verse 19, a little bit farther down, gives us the story of why we need this regeneration. The unregenerate people are morally evil. Verse 19 makes it clear in chapter 3 when he said, And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and the people loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. Folks, we need a heart that has been changed. We need a life that has been renewed. Regeneration takes a look at our heart and changes us because our moral life is evil. We're spiritually dead. That's what the book of Ephesians tells us. We're spiritually dead. You're living a life. If it's not the resurrection life, it's a dead life. And I know it sounds crazy, but how many of you want to carry around dead people with you everywhere you go? We do. We may not carry them physically in bodily form, but oh, we sure do in many of our memories and in many of our actions and many of our habits. We carry with us a lot that belong to the dead. The resurrection life is about that which God has changed in you to make it different. It's getting out of the spiritual darkness is what Ephesians 5 tells us we're living in. It's the life that we don't even understand what it is when the light comes. Sometimes we don't even recognize what it is we need because we're slaves to sin. That's what Romans 6 tells us, that we need to be delivered from this because a heart that is still enslaved to sin has passions and desires that you don't even realize are wrong. Why is it so many don't understand that? I went to do some doctoral work in Memphis, Tennessee. I was there at an overnight trucking company. I don't know if you've ever seen those names. They've been bought out, I think, now by another company. But I remember first moving back to Memphis, I wanted to do a PhD in some mission work. And so I went back to be with Dr. Bickers, and I thought, what am I going to do in the meantime so I could go to school during the day? And so one of the students there that had been there said, you need to go to overnight trucking company. I said, Why? He said, they'll pay you a fortune because they trust you, and you can work at night so you can go to school during the day. So I went down to overnight trucking downtown in Memphis. If you've ever been there in that area of the town, you realize it's not the safest place at night to be out wandering around. So I found myself down at overnight trucking, walked in, and I think his name was David at the time, and I said, hey, I'm here from the seminary. He said, you're hired. (laughs) I thought that was easy. He said, you can work nights, right? I said, well, I can. He said, okay, when do you want to start? I didn't talk about any other questions. Just coming from the seminary, they just assumed that every seminary student would be what? Honest. I mean, you're going to school to be a pastor. You're not going to lie to me, right? So I thought, well, how is this going to work? And I went to school first few times. I showed up, never loaded a truck, been on forklifts before. They're trying these brand new computer systems, which nowadays your children do. But back then, we were still learning how you could track a package when it was put on a truck and where it would go and how you could do that electronically. And I would get in these trucks, and they put me on the very first truck. It was the cigar truck. Oh, I smoked up a storm. (laughs) No, that's not true. They did that because they want to see if you're going to stay. The two trucks that are the hardest trucks to ever load are the cigar trucks and the tire trucks. If you're going to stay with them, you're either going to load a thousand boxes that weigh a lot or tires that you can hardly move and learn how to stack them. So I was in this cigar truck packing it in. I got scared to death. I turned around, about ran into a little guy. He looked at me and he's looking around like this. And I thought, okay, where are we going? And he said, I got to ask you something. I'm like, okay, we're in the back of an 18-wheel truck. He said, uh, you're a preacher, right? I said, well, I didn't know how to answer. And he said, I got a question for you. 
He said, I think my marriage is falling apart. I, I, I wasn't married. He didn't know that. He just assumed every preacher was what? Married. I acted like I was. You know, I had all the answers then. Nobody said, I think my marriage is falling apart. I said, well, why? He said, I think she found out about my girlfriend. <laughs> well, I didn't have to be married to know what the problem was <laughs> when we did that. But I was scared because, folks, I told him, I said, hey, and then all of a sudden, a guy came in, another fork, bringing more boxes, more scars drop. He said, I'll get with you later. I'll get with you later. Said, okay. So I never met the man. It wasn't a little bit later in the evening. We had brakes coming on. I was headed down to the room. A guy pulls in with his forklift, blocks me in the truck, jumps off, says, hey, I got a question for you. Well, what's that? I thought it'd be another marriage question. I've already mastered marriages, so ready to go. He said, I got a problem. I said, what's that? He said, I think my girlfriend's pregnant. I said, okay. And I mean, the story goes on and on, but I can tell you, we got done talking. I got down to the lunch break room. A guy pulls in me, says, hey, you're the new preacher, aren't you? Wow, I know why they hired me. It wasn't to load trucks. You know, this was the cheapest way to get a pastor into the parking lots to do that. But folks, the whole point I wanted to say is God was working regeneration. Lives were changing. I was put in a place where I had to begin to realize that, wait a minute, God is working. There's things that have to be done. There has to be a renewal. There's, I, I was here to learn about missions, but he put me immediately on missions. And he helped me realize that it wasn't what I was going to learn in my mind. It was what I was going to share with the people and that ministry was ready to take place. And there was no way to stop it. And God had all kinds of plans and things going on. And what I believed about the future was now taking place today, and everything that I could learn about was all thrust into my first night of work. I didn't stay there long. <laughs> we planted a church in Michigan within just a short time. But I got a crash course for a PhD in missions in downtown Memphis, Tennessee in a trucking station where people were living in darkness, didn't understand what they were doing was even wrong, were slaves to their sins, and wanted to know what they could do to change it. Is that where you are? Sometimes we don't even know it. And all of a sudden, we finally realize it's the unsaved that are under physical, spiritual, and eternal death. Jesus rose from the dead because if he didn't, you and I would. We would spend eternity in the depths of a grave, eventually raised into a darkness of eternal separation, and we would pay the penalty for our sins, for our guilt, and that which we've inherited because we too need a way out and we didn't even realize it until someone invited us, until someone asked us, until it was your faithful spouse who for years that you've been mad at, for years you wouldn't listen to. They constantly prayed for you. They've constantly nagged you, edged you, and you've always found something better to do. It's always the Sunday that you need to go on vacation. It's the Sunday that you need to go skiing or parasailing or boating or mowing the grass. It's the one day to catch up. The Lord knows my heart. He knows that I don't have to be in church on Sunday to be saved. He knows that I don't have to be in the presence of others to be right with him. And we've all mastered our own worldly theology about how we can be right with God and yet never be with God. And maybe this morning you realize those prayers are now working because your heart is saying to you, I do want to serve the Lord. I don't want to spend eternity separated from him. I do want to know that I have an eternal life with the Father. And so furthermore, we realize that we're depraved in our minds, we're blinded, we're in this darkness, we're predisposed to all kinds of sinful behavior. My goodness, the marriage was falling apart. The girlfriend was in the way. The babies were being born differently. Half of them were drunk, missing work, couldn't pay bills, supporting multiple houses. There were those that had physical ailments, those who had addictions, those who had debts for gambling. Folks, I'm not kidding you. Within a month of working at overnight trucking, I don't know how the company ever stayed in business other than they had seminary students keeping them alive. 
and yet that's your workplace too. It isn't just those in the back of the trucks that are hurting. It's the nurses that are coming to draw your blood. Who aren't sure when they get home who their spouse will be with. How they're going to make the next bill. Whether or not their parents are going to take them back. How they're going to afford to pay for their child's food. And yet when they come in and look at you, they make you feel like you're the world. And that they have it all put together. And it's not until you say to them, you know, I have something I want to say to you. Not only do I want to thank you for what you're doing to me physically, but I want to encourage you in a way spiritually. That what you're doing to me now doesn't really matter. Because what the Lord has already done to my heart has set my life forever. Do you ever have those conversations? You see, Nicodemus comes at night. He's still scared. And we got to realize that it's that spiritual rebirth, this resurrection life that we're talking about, not just in Jesus Christ. It's his resurrection that becomes the first fruits for us. Men, look at me. It's your children you're responsible for. We live in a culture that says, moms, raise them up. Do you understand, men, that it's your decisions? One of the biggest problems we have in the world today is that so many children do not have a what? A dad. Moms, I'm not trying to say you're innocent. Men, it's not always your fault. I'm not trying to throw it all in the same. But realistically speaking, men, if you go to church, your children will go. Men, if you wash the dishes, your children will wash the dishes. Men, if you vacuum, your children will vacuum. Wives, are you getting a hold of this? Men, if you do the work, it's amazing that God created you in a way that you have a leadership ability, whether you realize it or not, and how you lead people makes all the difference for eternity. Men, you ask your children, do you want me to pray for you? Have you ever as a father asked that? Have you ever as a father said, let me show you something in Scripture? Moms, I know many of you have. Because I can tell you even as your pastor, my wife has probably read 10 times more Bible stories to our children than I have. I am smarter theologically. <laughs> and my children just need an easier level of reading. So I convince myself. When I realize what she's feeding them is much more important many times than what I ever do. But when your heart's been changed... Priorities change. Life changes. We need resurrection. Again, I say it this way, folks. You'll never be physically resurrected like Jesus until you're spiritually resurrected in the heart. You must have a transformation that takes place. Let me give you the deep stuff. I know some of you will want it. The Greek word is palingonesia. It's the word for being reborn or for rebirth. It's only used twice in the entire New Testament. Once in a reference to a new creation and what's going to come about and once into the life of people's hearts and lives. It's only twice that the word is even used because it's referenced many times in ways of different forms like a recreation or a new if you wish creation it's the word that we get for kinekatesis it's the word for a new creation second corinthians 5 that's what we talk about when we talk about rebirth so i ask you not have you been regenerated but are you a new person are you a new creature are you different than those around you that are considered non-saved I was teasing my son the other day about his work. He's been doing some work for a company, and I was asking about his crew, and he kind of chuckled at me, and I thought, oh, no, here we go. And I said, well, do you get a chance to talk with them? It's horrible when your dad's a preacher, right? He don't care about anything else, but have you saved them yet? Have you got them down yet? Have you? 
And I asked him a question. I said, how is he? He said, Dad, it's weird. He said, two of them believe in aliens. <laughs> I didn't have theology for that. <laughs> I began to think of all anything I could, but I thought, I'm, I'm, he, he's going to do good, though. He will be ready. We'll have scriptures for the next time. But, but to be a new creation, listen to this. It's the word suno, and it puts two words together for poieo or penusin for the being new. It's to be made alive or to be raised up. You'll find it in Ephesians together in chapter 2 when we are made alive and raised up. It comes from this understanding when we talk about regeneration of what it means to be born again. Folks, I take you back to John chapter 3 when he says to this, unless I say to you, you are born again, circle that word, anothen. It's the word from ganao of being born or being there, being made, and from anothen, which means from above. The actual translation there is when he says to them, you must be born of water and you must be born of the Spirit. He translates that and you must be made alive. You must be born from above. If the Holy Spirit is not in your life, you don't have new life. Folks, there is no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. We live in a world today where you can be saved and then later on get the Holy Spirit in some places. Folks, that's not true. New life is because you've received the Holy Spirit. It's what makes you new. It's what changes you. It's what's given you the power. We grow in that strength and witness, but there is no new life without the Holy Spirit. Resurrection life comes from having the Holy Spirit. John 1.13, go back in the gospel, just a few pages there in John in his gospel, and listen to what he says about the importance of what it means to be born again. He said in verse 12 of chapter 1 of the gospel of John, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, Ganao, to become to those who believe in his name. Now listen to this. These are the people who are the children of God. They were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, and nor of the will of man, but they were born of what? Of God. Folks, you can no more choose the day you're born again than the day you chose you were born. How many of you picked that? Do you remember that? Do you remember that time when you finally said to mom and dad, I'm ready to come out, let the world see who I really am? And no more can you just say to the world, hey, next Thursday, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. You know, when I finally get my finances all worked out, when I finally get settled and I get my kids raised and we get into a nice place, that's when we're going to begin to serve the Lord. You know what? I can just get through with this job, get retired, get things let out. I'll have more time to spend at the church. And that's when I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. Do you think that's how it works? You no more pick the day that God convicts you than the day you picked that you would be born. When the Holy Spirit comes to you and changes your heart's desires, you are born. I'll give you a little bit of exposition on what it means to be born of the water and of the Spirit. Let me give you the popular one. The popular one is to be born of the water means to be born of this world, and you got to be born physically before you're ever born spiritually, and that works. That's the popular understanding for most places. I don't think it fits the text. I don't think it fits what Nicodemus is. He's a leader of the law. He's a Jewish regulator. He understands the purification rites. I think he understands what it means to be cleansed and what it means to be washed and what people thought baptism did. Even in the book of Hebrews, we're told that the, the washings, the baptismos, the washings of the hands, the purification rites that were there to make you ready to be cleansed from your sins. I think Jesus made the reference, you must be born of water is the same reference of you must be purified from your sins. And you must be born of the Holy Spirit. You must be purified of your sins, the rites of cleansing. You must have the Holy Spirit. You must be from God. Not one or the other, but together. You must be born of water and the Spirit. You might think that sounds crazy, and why would that make sense? Ezekiel chapter 36, the promise of the new covenant. Let me read for you how even in the Old Testament they come together. He says in verse 24, 
For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the lands, and I will bring you into your own land. And then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from the flesh and give you a heart that is now softened or flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and bring it about that you walk in my statutes and are careful to follow my ordinances. Nicodemus, don't you understand that? You're a leader of the law. And to be born from above means to have the Holy Spirit and to be cleansed from your sins. And folks, I tell you this morning, the resurrection life is noted because everyone in the resurrected life has been forgiven and cleansed of their sins. That's what you have in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness and the cleansing of your sins. And therefore, we are like Jesus Christ. The regeneration versus conversion is so different in this world. One is a synergistic activity of constantly turning to God. Regeneration is not. It's a monergistic experience by God alone. Conversion is one that is a conscience turning toward God. You're aware of what needs to be, but regeneration is an unconscious activity. It happens when God wants it to happen. Look what he tells Nicodemus. You don't know where the wind comes from, and you don't know where the wind goes, but you know what? You know when it blows. You know when God's speaking to you. You know here today whether or not you have been changed by the Holy Spirit, touched by God, and have a new heart. You may not know what he's got for you next, but you know he's touched your life. It's an instantaneous, unrejected, if you wish, event. Pastor, what does all this mean? We're talking about salvation, and Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. He came to Jesus in the back of an 18-wheel trailer when nobody else was around. Hey, I got a problem. Nicodemus, unless you're born again, unless you're born of the water and the Spirit, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. I got to give up my girlfriend. I got to give back the money I stole. I really have to say I'm sorry. I'm not allowed to live like that. You mean I have to be different? Well, Nicodemus, you have to be cleansed of your sins. You have to have the Holy Spirit or you're not going to come to heaven with me. Regeneration, resurrection, Easter Sunday is about a holistic change and transformation. Here's my prayer for you. That the resurrection life you have is an intellectual change from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that for the first time you'll begin to understand the things of Scripture, that you'll want to read it, that you'll want to see what God has for you. You'll want to know what His plan is. You'll have a desire to want to do that. He'll change your will so that you'll want to do the things that are right. You'll want to see your children's life change. I have eight children, and I know every one of them. I have an answer for each of their lives. Did you know that? I have eight children, and every one of them I've already mastered. I know what each one of them need to do. I've got an answer for even my first one, all the way down to my little one who hasn't even got out of grade school yet. I already know what she needs to do. Because the answer always comes, what do I need to do? You need to do whatever it is that God's called you to do. What is it that God's put before you to glorify him? I did the same thing when I trained my first elders in a small church. They said... How do you know how to answer these things? I said, I've always got the right answer. 
I've got an answer for everything. And it's scriptural. When it comes to any problem that you face in life, always do the right thing. But how do you know what the right thing is? That's what I was hoping you would ask. Open your Bible and see what it is Jesus wants you to do. Is that where you go to find resurrection life? Or do you go to your friend? Go to your work. Go to someone you don't hardly know to get the counsel that turns you away. Resurrection life is about being emotionally changed. It's about being in this place now where your affections and your emotions and your feelings are all different. You used to not even care about people, and now you cry when things hurt. Some of you cry over the same movie you've watched 10 times. You already know what's coming. You already know what's going to happen. You watch the same movie over and over, and you cry every time it comes. It makes no sense. How can it still hurt? Yet your neighbor goes without food. Their pets were the ones run over by the car. Their father was the one that just got hurt and had surgery. Their grandfather just went to be with the Lord. And that doesn't bother you at all. Something's wrong. In the resurrection life, we're changed. And now, who cares about the movie? Who cares about the 10th time they've cried and emotional happened and you could repeat it? What you care about now is why your neighbor hurts and why the marriage down the street's falling apart and why the kids don't have food and why is it they come to your house all the time for things. Things begin to change in your life and ethically you want to get involved in things and you want to make changes. You have passions for things that matter and the book of Galatians begins to come to mind constantly because you realize in the book of Galatians we are told what happens when the change takes place. For those of you who are regenerated, let me just quickly give you to Galatians chapter 5 when it says this, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh is against the Spirit and the Spirit is against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident Sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. Is your name written right there? Because I remember the first time that someone took me on this journey, I began to think, well, I've done that, and I've done that, and I've done that, and I've done that. Today, I wanted to say, oh, those are the people at the trucking company. That's who that is. As I began to read it even farther, they were factions and envy and drunkenness and carousing and all the things like this, of which I forewarn you just as I have that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He didn't give that list to Nicodemus. He just simply said, unless you're born again. If you're not born again, Nicodemus, you're going to live just like these people in Galatians chapter 5. And you're not going to go to heaven. Galatians says it a little bit further in the same book. Do not be deceived, chapter 6, verse 7. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, they will what? Reap. Highlight that. God will not be mocked. If you are not born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Relationally, let me close by simply saying this, the resurrection life is about a genuine fellowship with God, about a relationship with others that matters. Have you been changed? Have you been born again? Can you celebrate resurrection life? To say to yourself, I have been changed on the inside. I have a resurrected spiritual life, and therefore I'll have a resurrected physical life. Just like Jesus, I will be with him. I'll spend eternity together with him. Why? Because as Galatians says in the rest of the reading, but listen to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, you know it. What is it? 
joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'll see who's doing the King James or the NIV. <laughs> you know them. You see, isn't it amazing that in the same passage, we have one that says, the people who are born of the flesh live like this. Folks, again, I don't hate to say it, but here it is. It's not my words, but theirs. They're evident. Listen to the scripture. The deeds of the flesh, the unresurrected, the unborn again, the ones who are not ganao anothen, the ones who have not been born from above, it is evident in their life. How is it evident? Immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, evancy, anger, selfish ambitions, factions, envy, dr- man, alive. But the fruit of the Spirit is evident in the person who's been changed and resurrected. This morning I ask you, do you have a resurrection life? Have you been changed? Have you been born again? Are you waiting for Christ to come so that you can be resurrected with him? In, in closing, I say this. Remember, we're given a new nature, not a new essence. We believe in resurrection, not reincarnation. It's the same person, the same one made new. And we'll spend eternity with the Father. Have you been born from above? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for taking your word this morning, for patiently allowing us to work through it. Father, for understanding that unless we understand the truth, we too will perish. Father, I thank you for all the opportunities we've had to learn, but yet, Father, none more important than the time your Holy Spirit convicted us and it changed us. That he wrapped us in shoe leather and helped us to apply everything you've taught us in your word. Father, forgive us for all the times that we have sinned and fallen and failed. Restore us to this newness of life. Encourage us and enable us to go forward and live a resurrected life. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you're able, if you would, stand with us as we sing together on this Easter Sunday, Resurrection Life, we're going to sing the song, Christ the Lord is Risen Today, hymn number 277.
if you had received the benediction this morning, Paul simply said, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And God's children said, have a happy Easter today.